My name is Layla. I'm a recovered cocaine addict from Toronto. My home group is called The Way Out. Thank you very much, Daniel, for introducing me. Um, I want to say first and foremost, hello. How are you? First and foremost, I got to take a minute to thank first and foremost, above all things, God for bringing me here to you. I thank God for keeping me clean and sober. I thank God for giving me the balls to tell you what I'm about to tell you. And I thank the committee for inviting me here to talk with you today. I really don't think that you guys know what you got yourselves into. Um, I, just spent, I just spent one of the coolest mornings, probably in the last year, the coolest mornings I have spent with about 17 to 20 complete strangers that I met yesterday. Uh, and through a series of two days, we just all took the first 12 steps of this program. And, and here's the thing, here's the thing about that. You guys, you have, uh, you guys, you made my year. I do this all the time in Toronto. I got sponsees and friends and protégés and people working with other people. And as much as I have lived a miraculous life for the last eight years, clean, sober, and recovered and free, his miracles still take my breath away. Because I'm thinking, I mean, what's the best that can happen? I'm going to this really cool conference. I'm going to hear some cool stuff. And I'm going to share my experience. And I'm going to make a stand in the truth. And, and, and I, we land. And it was like, you know, a little bit spooky because there was a lot of resistance just to even our presence being here. And I'm in the bathroom in our hotel room. And I'm on my knees. And I'm like, God, I can't see the purpose that I'm here. And I think maybe I'm just here to share with you some cool, funny stories. I don't do that. I don't do that. Uh, you know, sometimes funny stuff comes out just because I'm a nerd and, you know, funny things just come out. I got on my knees and I said, God, I don't see what's coming in the next 24, 48 hours, but I'm going to trust you blindly as I have for the last eight years. And within a few hours, I'm hooked up with 17 to 20 of the coolest people that I have met in a really long time who are honest and fresh and willing and took all the steps in a, in a few hours. Now, does that mean that they don't need to be sponsored and are going to sponsor each other and take back their fellowship that is dying? That's exactly what they're going to do. And, and it doesn't mean that... You know, there's this thing where it's like anything that you say and anything that you do that is not a cliche and that is not some, some you know, sheep mentality, that you're some kind of a troublemaker. And I'm, our fellowship is in a lot of trouble, guys. We have completely lost why we're here. And here's the thing about that. I wouldn't care so much because I live a great life and, and I got by a, a strong home group and a strong fellowship in Toronto. But here's the thing that kills me. I look at someone's face who's so excited for the first time in decades. These guys were excited to be told the truth that actually you have all the tools in front of you and all the power that God has given you to take back your fellowship and make a stand for the truth. I mean, what is the truth? Why am I here? Really, why am I here to show off that I've been sober for eight years to piss some people off? And I understand. And you're either going to sit here and bear through it and you're going to hate my guts or you're going to walk out. But the thing is, you got to look around. Some of us really need to be here and some of us do not. If you can stay clean and sober because you've been sober for 10 years, you don't need to be here. You don't. 
It, it, and it doesn't piss me off. It impassions me to see that there are people who really need to be here because we are real addicts. And guess what? Those are the guys that are keeping pushed out of this fellowship because they just can't do what you non-addicts can do. This is our fellowship, our fellowship for drug addicts who cannot stay clean and sober on fellowship, who cannot stay clean and sober on prayer alone, who cannot stay clean and sober on the church, who cannot stay clean and sober because I went through treatment, who cannot stay clean and sober on really stupid cliches. This is our fellowship for those who cannot do that. Now, my problem is this. You can come in and you're welcome to be here. You're, the only requirement for membership in our traditions is that you want to stop drinking and using, right? But that does not qualify you to sponsor somebody like me. It doesn't. It doesn't. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to come in and, and we are inundated with people who can kind of use what we have, make the best of it, right? Stay clean and sober, eat our food, fool around with the women, right? Try to half-ass sponsor the men. And that works for some of you because you're not real addicts. You're not. It's none of our business to decide who's an addict and who isn't. Read working with others. If you are satisfied, if you are satisfied he's a real addict or a real alcoholic, then you can continue. If you're satisfied. What the hell does that mean? Oh, just open the doors for anybody and let them come in and take over our fellowship and turn it into a really sick social club slash group therapy. And if you don't like what I say, well, you know, take it up with your sponsor, not me. And maybe it'll be the first time in your life that you'll do an honest inventory. But here's the thing. My purpose in being here are for my new friends. My new friends, my brothers and my sisters in the fellowship who, oh my, oh my God, do you not want to miss out on this, guys? But it's up to you now. I mean, I don't live here. I can't be here with you and do this. But God is here with you to do this. And this book is here to do this with you. You got to take back your fellowship and make a stand for the truth. What is the truth? You really need to be here. And all this crazy ass 50,000 treatment center questions about what makes me an addict is nonsense. It is nonsense. Our book asks two very specific and clear questions that qualify whether or not you need to be here. One, if when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit using, what does that mean? I mean, what does that mean? When I honestly want to stop. I'll, I'll draw you just a little bit of a picture. I'm 21, 22 years old. I grew up in a Muslim. I mean, we could just sit here forever and nitpick my childhood and nitpick my family's religion and nitpick the, the abuse and the drama. But the bottom line is what? I'm in a position at 20, 21 years old where I'm really into cocaine. I'm really into the lifestyle of stripping and hustling and power and glory and manipulation and pickpocketing and robbing people. I'm living the life. I am completely willing to be seduced by the darkness. I'm there. I'm there. Something really strange starts to happen to me, though. I start realizing that, you know, the consequences are getting a little bit intense here. You know, I mean, I'm not just waking up in the morning and, and, and I'm feeling a little bit weird and I feel really bad about myself and, you know, I stole some money. I want to die when I'm coming down. I'm completely obsessed with never doing this stuff again. Okay. 
What happens to me, though? I get sober. That's the big solution, right? We're going to get clean and sober, and that's the solution, right? Okay, I'm back to the drawing board. I'm not happy inside. What do I start doing? I become obsessed with ending that state of sobriety. I talked about it yesterday during my wor our workshop for sponsorship. That doesn't necessarily look like I go out and get high. That looks like what? That looks like what? Oh, now I'm obsessed with that guy. Now I'm obsessed with that job. Now I'm obsessed with being the most popular in Cocaine Anonymous, right? I get obsessed with ending my state of sobriety. Why? I'm not happy inside. I'm restless. The book calls it, I'm restless, I'm irritable, I'm discontented. And you can reword that in any fancy therapy lingo that you like. I'm manic depressive, I'm depressed. I can't seem to be of real help to other people. I can't express what I so desperately desire to express from inside me. My soul is being smothered. But I'm clean and sober one day at a time and I'm shaking hands the right way and I'm stacking chairs, right? I'm a fucking clown. I'm a clown juggling, trying to get your attention and inside I'm dying. But I've made the decision I never want to do this again, remember? The very vital decision, my life depends on me stopping the use of cocaine, crack, pills, booze, whatever. I made that decision. I'm going to tell you something. I could have passed a lie detector test that told, it would have told the truth. I meant it. I never want to do this again. But guess what would happen? I would do it again. And here's the really scary thing. No thought, no fight, no resistance. No, nothing. You know what that's called? A mental blank spot. That is my illness. I have a peculiar mental twist that completely leaves me defenseless to the truth that I'm going to go on a run now because I'm not normal physically. I'm not like my girlfriends who they do a couple of lines and they go hustle the floor and they make some money and they go home. Layla's trapped in the dressing room, coked out of her tree, well, I just want to do a couple of lines, but I'm not normal physically. It's called an allergy. I have an abnormal reaction to cocaine, and it's not the cocaine. It's my body reacting abnormally. Here's the thing about that, though. Now I'm clean and sober after I've gone on a big binge. Where am I back again? Firm resolution never to do this again. See, a lot of people, they just want to, they think that talking about the, pro the, the problem is to go on and on and on about your war stories. Here's the thing, and this is going to smash, smash some of you people with your big peacock-feathered egos. It is not the fact that you were a biker or a thug or a criminal or that you pissed on yourself or threw up on yourself or lost your license or lost your family that makes you a drug addict. That might just make you a fuck up. That is not necessarily what makes you a drug addict. Here's what makes you a drug addict. When you honestly want to leave it alone, you cannot. And when you are using, you have little to no control over how much you use. If you qualify for those two things, welcome to Cocaine Anonymous. If you do not, well, then just be quiet. Yeah. 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 Woo! 
All right? Because here's what's going to happen. Us real drug addicts are taking back our fellowship. And you can either come along or it's going to get divided even more. And everyone's so worried about being divided. We're also, oh, you know, Layla, it's all about unity. Let's not rock the boat. You know, you're trying to divide the fellowship. Baby, 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 the fellowship is divided. It's divided. Do you understand? It's divided. And here's, unity is not about going to any lengths to not rock the boat. Going to any lengths to people please. Going to any lengths just to hold on together really tight and just try to make it through the day and not get high. That's not unity, people. Unity is we we share a common problem and a common solution. And if you don't have that common denominator, you don't belong here. See, the traditions protect you from people like me because I can't throw you out. But what you're going to do is you're going to have to sit there and listen as we take back our fellowship. And if you don't like it, then don't come to our home groups. Don't read our book and don't sponsor people like me because you're going to kill me. Your junior therapy bullshit is going to kill people like me. Kill those fresh faces that I met upstairs. You don't have a right to do that. Over my dead body, are you going to keep doing that? See, I was given a lot of power when I went through these steps. I mean a shitload of power when I went through these steps. And I'm quoting from one of my son's old favorite movies, Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. I was given a lot of power when I recovered. I went from a hopeless, dying, lying, devil's girlfriend ruined, defeated, enslaved by the matrix woman to a free woman. Ain't nothing and nobody got nothing on me. Nothing. I hide completely behind my God. Period. And here's the thing about that. With that power came a great responsibility to tell you the truth. What is the truth? If you want what we have, we who have recovered as a result of taking all 12 steps and practicing all 12 principles in all our affairs and living by the code of our 12 traditions, if that's what you want, then you can join us and actually take the steps. See, if that's not what you want, you shouldn't be taking the steps. See, nobody is willing to actually, like, be responsible and start qualifying people properly. Well, yeah, I kind of have a drug problem, but, you know, like, I just want to see how it goes. And, like, I just want to kind of, like, you know, figure it out and go to some meetings and do some step work from some step guide. This big book is the only step guide, guys. Only step guide. The big book is our step guide. It's our cookbook. It's our cookbook. Can you imagine if we were all sitting here with our cookbooks and we're going to talk about cooking and then we go, I'm really hungry. Where's that cake? I talked about the cake. I talked about the recipe. I talked about the ingredients. I watched Joe Blow with 17 years chowing down on his cake. Why am I still hungry? Why am I starving? Because I have not baked my cake. This book is a recipe book. It's a cookbook. The recipe is the book. The 12 steps are the ingredients. If you follow precisely what this book says to do, and here's the thing about direction. There's taking direction and there's taking literal direction. You know what literal direction is? Go right, I go right. Go left, I go left. Say this prayer, I say the prayer. 
Do this inventory now, not six months later, not with your bullshit 50-page long self-help mental rape inventory as outlined from this book. Okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to share this with another human being in confidence. Okay, I'm going to do that. After turning my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand him, there's a lot of stuff that floats around about who that is and what that should be. Here's the thing about that. There's so much talk about this. Well, I'm having the educational variety. I didn't have the burning bush. Not yet. Why are you closing yourself off to that? Because maybe some people who don't need to have a direct experience with the power of God, they don't need to do that. Well, they just come and make some really stupid bad jokes, posture with their peacock feathers, squash newcomers, put down women. Uh Uh-huh. You know exactly who you are. You do. You do that, and you can get away with it. Maybe you act out a little bit. Maybe you beat the dog, or maybe you're an asshole to your wife. But you can get away with that kind of behavior, and you come and you take out your power trip and bullshit on the rest of us. And you think that God is going to let you get away with that? No, he sends people like me to you. And you invited me. So thank you. So thank you. No more. No more. As God's people, we stand on our feet. We don't crawl before nobody. Nobody. Not you, not your elders, not your GSR representatives, not your World Service delegates, not your committee members. You crawl before no one. You got that? Before no one. You stand on your feet in front of God. That is your leader. See, everybody wants to be a general, and nobody wants to be the grunt. Everybody wants to be the general. Everybody wants to be the leader and talk about their way, and we're going to rewrite this book, and we're going to do it our way. Remember the literal direction thing? You're going to follow these people into the bush, and you're going to get scraped up, and you're going to be starving, and they're going to go, well, maybe you just weren't willing enough. Uh huh. Maybe you just weren't ready to do this work that I can do. Here's the thing, though, about literal direction. You follow what this book says, and you will get exactly the kind of recovered life that the first people who wrote this book had. You want to trash this book? Go somewhere else. You want to do something else? Go somewhere else. It's not that, oh, we think that this is the only way to do it. Guess what? In this fellowship, it is. You want to do something else? Then go somewhere else. It's a 12-step fellowship. We're going to talk about the 12 steps. But see, people want to sit and they want to talk to me and talk to us about their conception of God. Well, you know, it didn't happen for me like that. You don't want to get too well too fast. You didn't get sick overnight. You're still sick, brother. Mm-hmm. Or my favorite, squashing people's spiritual experiences because you're so goddamn crusty that you wouldn't know a spiritual experience if it slapped you across the face. You wouldn't. You're too busy squashing other people's. Well, you're too young. You shouldn't be sponsoring people. Well, you're a girl. You shouldn't be helping that guy. Here's the thing about that. If you're so unrecovered sexually that you cannot sponsor or help a woman, and you think the only way to behave yourself as a man is to hide from women, my brother, you got to look at that. you got to look at that. That's like saying the only way I can stay sober is to hide from the bars. Right? The only way to stay humble is to avoid speaking. That's not true humility. That's not true sobriety. That's not what it's like to be a man or a woman. 
I mean, we're your brothers and sisters here. And look how we're treating each other. We, my friend Daniel, we eat our own in Cocaine Anonymous. Some little guy starts getting a spiritual experience and, you know, look, look what I did. I, I was going through the book and I read this and I feel like I'm really, I'm, I'm getting some ground. And here comes along, you know, Big Biff with his peacock feathers and chops him down off at the knees. How dare you contradict my powder dry sobriety? How dare you? Here's the thing about that, though. This is not about your conception of God being put on me or my conception of God being put on you, or that it's about the educational variety, and that's how it is forever. It's not. I went through the steps in all earnestness when I came to this program, and the reason for that is this. My step one was firmly in place. Firmly in place. My self-will was broken sufficiently for me to be humbled and teachable. Otherwise, forget it. Because here's the thing. Only one character can play God. <laughs> it's you or your sponsor or your quote-unquote leaders or it's God that plays God. You choose. But there's only one character that can play the role of God. And don't ever let anyone mess with your point with God. Hey, man, if it's the spirit of the universe, rock on. If it is the Buddha in all his glory, rock on. If you don't know, but you're just open to the spirit of the universe, rock on. If it is Jesus Christ, who is my personal Lord and Savior, rock on. But here's the thing. Please don't tell me how to pray, and I won't tell you how to pray. That happened to me when I was first going through the steps. I was an ex-Muslim slash New Ager slash atheist slash hippy dippy whatever but guess what all i needed to start activating this cookbook i was willing to believe that there was a power greater than myself a power not a belief not a theology not a religion a power greater than myself and it was a sufficient enough invitation for the power of god to come into my life and and the thing about that is this i had to be sufficiently convinced that i am broken and cannot save myself and no amount of posturing in the fellowship or big book knowledge or, or printouts or worksheets or, oh, I want to kill myself, all the crap that floats around. No amount of that stuff can keep me sober. Now, don't twist my words. You can help me. You can walk with me. You can guide me. You can stand with me. You can speak the truth to me. But you can't save me. I got to that place in recovery, clean and sober. I saw it. I saw that I was powerless, completely powerless. I have lost the power to choose whether or not I'm going to stay clean and sober. Do you understand that? That means I don't wake up tomorrow and decide to stay sober. If you can do that, you don't need to be here. The problem was removed as taking as a result of taking all the steps which put me into contact with a power greater than myself. That is what recovered me, not your wisdom. Sorry, your wisdom led me to a place that I could become willing and humble enough to see that I'm truly powerless. They spend 50 pages on, the, you know, on step one. Why? Why? To convince me I'm powerless? I, I am. The tidal wave is a coming. I'm drowning in a raging ocean. But we were talking about this yesterday. What's scarier than that is not being oblivious to it, is not knowing that that's happening. 
And my sponsor, through the process of the first 50-odd pages of step one in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, took my hand and showed me the tidal wave that was coming and that was already there before I read this book, that was already there before she pointed it out. And I had a, a true moment of clarity and humility where I saw that I am broken. I am done. I cannot keep myself clean and sober. I cannot squeeze my way through this little tiny hole on my own anymore. And I became truly humble and teachable. You didn't have to convince me to take action. You didn't have to convince me to turn my life and my will over to the care of God, as I didn't understand him at the time. You didn't have to convince me. Yes, Captain. We're going to read this book. Yes, Captain. We're going to take this inventory. Yes, Captain. We're going to keep praying and meditating. Yes, Captain. We're going to look at all our defects of character that block me off from the power of God, that block me off from the wisdom that is trying to speak into my life and guide me and help me and shield me and love me. Yes, Captain. You're going to go out and make amends to all the people who did you more harm than you did them. Yes, Captain. You're going to go out there and you're going to help these new people. And you have to understand, Cocaine Anonymous in Toronto eight years ago was brutal. Brutal. Talking about the big book was as bad as if you were talking about the Bible or something. Here she comes, talking about the big book. Oh, here come those bookers, those muckers, those thumpers, those gurus. Get off your pedestal. It was a big cross to bear, but we did it anyway. Because here's the thing. My allegiance is to God, not you. Sorry. My allegiance is to God. My commitment was with God. I turned my life and my will over to the care of God. My relationship with God and not your opinion of me is what keeps me sober and clean and empowered and free and a slave to no one. If we're friends, it's because we're really friends and not because I want your attention and approval. It's real, like a real life. And what happened for me is I continued on and I did all this work. And I'm like, well, I guess that closes the door on God. I mean, I figured God out and I know I'm having this beautiful spiritual experience. And it's intimidating the hell out of people. And a few of us start getting together and we're trying to turn the tide. And there's resistance. The waves keep flipping us over as you're experiencing in your fellowship today. You try to turn the tide and someone comes and flips over your boat and squashes you. And puts you down and then goes, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you, you, you know who you are, right? Yeah. And, and you know who you are who receive it, right? And you just let it go. Well, I want to be humble. Well, I don't want to rock the boat. Well, I don't want them to think that I got some balls to say, stop talking to me like that. No, it's not a joke. It's called an attack, a passive-aggressive attack on the foundation of your recovery. See, God is the foundation of my recovery, not this fellowship. What happens if this fellowship was completely destroyed? What, I'm screwed? No. Two, three, four of us, 17 to 20 of us would get together in a hotel room. Our new meeting in Edmonton, room 536, would get together, and the power of God would work miracles through us and in us to stand here with you and invite you. I invite all of you to take a stand with us. Here's the thing, though. You're either coming with us or we're leaving you behind. You got that? You are not going to shit on these people anymore. Anymore. It won't be tolerated. Oh, we'll come back and we'll bring more people with us. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! My own personal experience with that is 
I thought we were standing alone. And here's the thing. My brothers and my sisters, the people who are babysitting my son right now, who I love and I trust with my life, who I was making mini, mini home videos in our hotel room with our 15 outfits that we brought. <laughs> my friends, the people I love and adore, they were little people scattered and hidden in the shadows in Cocaine Anonymous of Toronto, right? While the big wigs had taken over, and all you had to do was take one look in their eyes, and you, my brother, I mean, if that's what a spiritual experience looks like, I don't want it. You're mean. You're mean, and you're hard. Your heart is hard. And I don't mean like firm and strong. I mean mean. You want to change? Cool. If not, we started our own meetings. We went into detoxes. We were taking people through the steps while we were still fresh learning how to do that. And we learned together and we walked together and we continued to pray and meditate and made our mistakes and went through all the stuff that goes through with turning the tide. And the tide turned. And the doubters and the scoffers and the people, now they just hide behind their computers and make up websites attacking Cocaine Anonymous and the people who are really involved in this book. And here's the beautiful thing. Every single one of those people could knock on my door tomorrow morning and say, I'm really messed up and I need some help. Can I come to your meditation group? Come on in, brother. We love you. But make no mistake about it. Just because I love you does not mean I'm going to let you shit on my fellowship. No, no. Uh-uh. Not going to happen. And as a result of doing that, I grew in my relationship with God. And I continued to try to do this thing and went through my ups and downs and tried to create my own ideal in relationships. You can try that or you can just learn from our experience and, and actually go to God directly. Right? My ideal, no matter how good it is and no matter how rooted in principles it is, it is still Layla Power. My ideal for the fellowship, my ideal for sponsorship, my ideal for relationships, my ideal with work. It's still my ideal. And here's the thing. There were a lot of people around me going, I mean, that's just crazy talk, Layla. When, what do you think? God's just going to drop a paycheck in your lap? Actually, he does. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. He does. What do you think? God's just going to heal you of that mental illness? Actually, he did. He healed my mental illness. I'm sorry. I'm not saying that that's got to be your thing, but he healed my mental illness. And I'm not sorry for that. He healed my financial insecurity. He healed my inability to be still. Why? Because my problem is a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual problem. It manifests in a mental illness called addiction. It manifests in a physical reaction called the allergy to cocaine. It manifests in that. But the root of it is a spiritual problem. I am uncomfortable in my own skin and in my own spirit. Why? Because I suffer from a very deeply ingrained belief that I am separated from God. And all the steps did were not fill the hole or reconnect me with God. No, no. They healed the illusion that I am separate from God. I am not separate from God, and I know that to be the truth. And I'm about six years clean and sober, and I'm working this program, and I got people, and we're sponsoring, and we're doing this, and we're doing that, but something's missing. And you got to understand, like, I'm really hardcore anti-religion and anti-this and anti-that. I mean, I was just like anti, you know? <laughs> but I was willing to be taken to a new level, and it was my experience. I asked God to reveal himself to me, and Jesus Christ showed up. 
my experience. And, and why I share that with you is not to convert you. This is what I love. People are afraid. If I say, Jesus, I'm trying to convert you, then they get pissed off when I don't. Look, what, I'm not good enough for you, Jesus? <laughs> the, reason why I share, <laughs> the reason why I share this experience with you is to tell you, you got to go seek God on your terms with him. You got to go deep, even though it goes against your previous beliefs, even if it goes against the status quo, even if it goes against what you experienced yesterday morning. I, I don't know who's going to show up for you, but I do know that God will show up for you. He will in a new and wonderful way. I mean, that is my relationship with God. And I encourage you to stick to your guns with your relationship with God, no matter what that is. But guess what? You don't have to pray to Jesus to stay sober. But you got to give me the right to do that. You got that? You got to give me the right to do that. Just like I give you the right to pray to whoever you want to. That's what unites us so beautifully. It is our direct and very personal relationship with God that keeps us sober. Not my dictatorship on what that should look like. It's got to be a personal relationship. Or I'm telling you, you're not going to stay sober. You're not going to stay connected. You're not going to stay happy if you are a real addict. You're not. You can't settle for second best. You can't get fed on someone else's cake that they're eating. You can't. Well, you're, you're salivating and looking for a crumb. you got to sit down with someone who's a recovered cocaine addict. Mm-hmm. And go through this book as if it's a cookbook and you're going to put a recipe together and you're going to take all 12 ingredients and you're going to put it together and you're going to put it in the oven of God and a cake is going to come out. Here's the thing about cooking and baking. Can you imagine me putting all the ingredients together, all perfectly together? I'm following all the directions. I'm not substituting mud balls for chocolate chips and then going, how did that happen? How did that happen? Well, you know, you didn't have an honest enough recovered sponsor to sit with you and go, dude, that's a mud ball and not chocolate chips, right? No, no, we'll spend 15 hours with you saying, well, I mean, you know, we don't really have a right to say what's a mud ball and what's a chocolate chip. No, no, sweetie, it's a mud ball. It's a mud ball, not a chocolate chip, okay? But let's just say you follow it directly, exactly as what the book says, and you put that together, and you follow exactly what it says, Right? And then I'm going to put this little weird gooey thing. How, how it's going to become a cake, I have no idea. How taking inventory and getting on my knees and praying and making amends and trying to talk to somebody that really, I mean, I just, I really have no interest in talking to because I'm not getting anything out of it. How is that all put together going to recover me? How is this gooey, sticky, wet thing blob going to turn into a cake? That's the oven's business, not mine. Guess what? Now, here's another thing. Do I need to believe that it's going to bake in order for it to bake? No. Can you imagine I'm baking a cake and I'm outside the oven, biting my nails, going, oh, my God, I really hope it bakes. (laughs) It's indifferent. It's going to bake anyway. It does not need my belief to bake. It needs my willingness to follow very specific instructions from this cookbook. And if you do that, you are going to have a cake and eat it and show other people how to bake their own cake and eat it. And guess what? You can take this recipe anywhere to Edmonton, Toronto, wherever. 
and take it with you and bake the same cake every single time you do it. And it's your very own personal cake. And it's the kind of cake that's going to fill you up from the inside and out so that you don't need to eat junk food anymore and garbage anymore and try to steal other people's cakes or squash their cake. You'll have your very own God cake and eat as much as you want of it. But you've got to follow very specific directions. And if you don't want to do that, you've got to ask yourself, why? What, because you're such a rebel and a renegade? Dude, you're in Cocaine Anonymous. I mean, how cool are we? <laughs> Hi, I'm a fuck-up, and I want to be leader of the fuck-ups. <laughs> Woo! Come on! What is this? What is this? That's like the pride. It's ridiculous. you got to ask yourself, why is this? I don't believe my life depends on doing this if I'm not doing it. See... <laughs> I was starving enough that you could have told me I had to walk 15 miles just to get one egg to add into my list of ingredients. Yes, Captain. Yes, Captain. Thank God I had a recovered cocaine addict who worked with me. Thank God every single problem in this fellowship is rooted in bad, poor, shitty sponsorship that actually we're taking that title away from you unless you're taking people through this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and sitting with them consistently and leading them through the steps. You're not a sponsor. You don't get to have that title. You don't. Because the first requirement is that you yourself would have had to do this. you got to be walking this path. But you're going to lead me down a path you've never been to. I'm perfect at that. I was perfect at that. Um, so how do you how do you get to uh, how do you get to some street in Texas? Well, I mean, this is what I think. I think you got to take route number eighty four, and then we're going to go down. Oh, but by the way, Layla, when was the last time you were in Texas? Never. <laughs> what am I sharing with? You? Well, I googled it. <laughs> okay, but then they could have googled it. Yeah, I know, but I, I, I've been sober longer than you, so my googling abilities are better than yours. Have you been there? No, I've never been there. I've never been there. See, my sponsor was there. The people who sponsored me were there. They're real addicts. They know exactly what this thing is about, eh? This is about the power of God in your life. Your life, not just my life, or your friends' lives, or your guru's lives, or your elders' lives. It is the power of God in your life. It is about the power of God in your life. And you have a responsibility to share that with the new guy. And if you're such a self-seeking people pleaser that you can't tell them the truth because you don't want them to dislike you, well, you got another inventory to do. And I'm not talking about being mean and rude. I'm talking about making a stand for the truth. Because guess what, my friends? Unless you make a stand for the truth, you are going to lose touch with it. You are going to lose touch with it. Unless I'm teaching people how to bake a cake, I'm going to forget the ingredients. I ain't going to be baking cakes for very long on my own. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. I need you to be here for me as you are for me, as I am for you. We're so obsessed with, you know, it's not a me program, it's a we program. Then start acting like it. 
Start acting like it. Put the welfare of your brothers ahead of your own and see what happens to you. See what happens to you. Stop. Stop the negativity. Stop the whining. Stop the trashing. Stop the bickering. Stop the raping of our program. Stop. Stop. And make a stand for yourselves. This is about the power of God in our lives. We stand united in what? The certainty. Not the what if. The certainty that our creator has entered into our hearts. Not my head. My heart and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. If you are as seriously alcoholic or addicted as we were, it's right in the book. We believe there is no middle-of-the-road solution. Look around, people. The middle-of-the-road solution is dividing us, and that's okay. Because it's like Moses parting the sea. On one hand, we really need to do this, and we're going to make a stand and do it. And you're either going to join us, or you're going to fade off in the distance. That's what this is about. That is what this is about. There is no middle-of-the-road solution. We are in a position where what? Is life becoming impossible for you? Because if it's not, you're not going to want to do this. You don't need to do this. Is life becoming... We were in a position where life was becoming impossible. And here's the kicker. If we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we have two alternatives. Guess what? There's no third door. But if you have not passed the region, there is a third option for you. But a true, real addict alcoholic who has last lost the power of choice to choose and lost the ability to control his drinking and using, you've placed yourself beyond human aid. Place yourself beyond human aid. We have two alternatives. One is you're going to go on to the bitter end, dragging as many fresh-faced newcomers down with you. Or two, you're going to accept spiritual help and you're going to shut up and you're going to do it smiling. Because you're not squashing these guys anymore. You're not. That was like the coolest meeting I have been to. I just can't stop thinking about it. The coolest meeting I've ever been to. 20 people don't even know each other. Sitting, laughing, sharing a fourth step. Is that the end of it? No. It's the beginning. The beginning of a new day. As we grow in numbers and in power. But we have two alternatives. One, you're going to accept spiritual help. Or two, you're going to turn it into a booze can without the booze. No. Because there's a few of us that we are willing to take on the responsibility that has been given us. And if you don't like that, because I'm not willing to write bitch back behind you and let you lead me into hell, sorry, I don't know what to tell you. You can take it up with my biker sponsor. (laughs) The two most opposite types of people. This is what I love about God. My sponsor, my very first sponsor who took me through this book and saved my life. Bless you, Siobhan. I love you. We couldn't have been more different. She's a motorcycle riding, bad attitude, sarcastic, lesbian, whatever kind of woman. And then there's me. Hi. (laughs) My long nails and my long hair, and I was still a stripper. You know, and I, like, I'd be so miserable, but then you enter a guy who's maybe kind of cute, and all of a sudden my voice changes, and hi. Right? The hustle comes on. God put us together. She took a look at me and go, oh, good God. 
You know what my first thought was? And I know she's going to listen to this and she's going to be rolling on the floor. You know what my first self-centered thought was? God, I hope she doesn't fall in love with me. (laughs) I was so concerned that she was going to fall in love with me. (laughs) She's like, yeah, keep coming back. Which in Toronto is lingo for shut the fuck up. (laughs) Keep coming back. Shut the fuck up. She saved my life. She was busy. She was just getting her three kids back from where they were with her mother. She had another kid she was taking care of. She was going to school. She was working. She was two years sober. She was busy as hell. And she met me. She met me four days a week and read the book with me and prayed on our knees together and listened to me and took my crazy phone calls at 4 o'clock in the morning because I was so terrified. I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, you know, shouldn't the voices have gone now that I'm sober? But they seem to be getting louder. Dark shadows whispering to me, what's up with that? What's up with that? Feeling like I'm going to die all the time. I can't stop crying and I I can't stop cackling like a maniac. And I'm going to meetings and I don't know what the hell is wrong with me. And this woman made a stand for my life. You want to talk about dramatic, you know? Some people I know are like, yeah, you're really dramatic. And I'm like, because I was saved dramatically. How about you? Do you believe you were saved from hell? I was. I don't just mean drug addiction. I mean the whole thing, man, that goes along with it. The yearning, the looking, the searching. Our fellowship has turned into a fellowship of seek but do not find. Where does that come from? What happened to seek and you will find? Seek and you will find. God could and would if he were sought. What happened to that? Well, keep seeking. It's so spiritual. The journey, the journey, the journey. It's not the destination, the journey. I want to off myself on the journey. But it's about the journey, the journey. Come on. This woman made a stand for my life. She sat down with me and she took me through the first 164 pages of this book. And she did not let me off the hook for nothing. Nothing. She freed me. She stood outside my prison cell and she says, come on, you want to come with me? Well, what do I got to do for it? What, what do I, you know, what do you want from me? What is it? That, what, do, what am I going to owe you? Nothing. Because it's not me doing it. It's God, she said. And she saved me. Well, God didn't pop out of the sky and touch me in a church and save me. I got saved in Cocaine Anonymous, people. The Holy Ghost of Cocaine Anonymous saved me. I run from the church. I run from the synagogue. I run from the mosque. God's like, you can run, but you can't hide. I'm going to find you in Cocaine Anonymous. On a park bench in the middle of Gay Village of Toronto. On our knees in the third step prayer. The third step. God is going to be God, and I'm not. None of this co-creator crap. God is God. And I am not. I am a part of God. I am God's daughter or his agent or his actor or his disciple. Whatever terminology you want to use. But please be clear about this. If you want what we have, God is God and we are not God. Godding. God is God. I play the role that God assigned me. Little Layla. He assigned me the role. The role of a lifetime. The role I always wanted. But there are certain things I have to do. Number one, I got to quit playing God. Number two, I got to see. And here's the catch, guys. 
I got to see, I got to be convinced that any life run on self-will, not just the addict's life, any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. You know what that book is saying to us? Any life, a normal person's life. They're saying that that out there in the world is not successful. But what do we do when we come in here? I'm going to do the steps and I'm going to be normal. I'm going to pick the guy I want. I'm going to pick the job I want. And I'm going to pick the career that I want. I mean, you know, I don't want to be brainwashed by God, right? Yeah, God just saved me, healed me. But, you know, keep the information. Booty call God, I call it. I'm in trouble. Come pick me up. Right? But what you, what, you, you want to, like, confer with me on what I'm doing? Get out. That's how a single woman acts, not a married woman. That was my relationship with God. And he's so compassionate and loving. Come on back, Layla. It's okay. Refuse to let me go. But that is the relationship in the third step. Any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. Why? We're always in collision with something or somebody. Now, the world calls that success. You're always climbing ahead. Right? Almost always in collision. Stand on your own. You've got to do this on your own. But on the next page, they talk about if we take such a position, what position? God is the principal. He's the Michael Jordan. I am the agent. I, I love the speaker. Peter M. talks about that. He is the principal. I am the agent. I represent God. But people, please look at me. I'm not Michael Jordan. I can represent him, but I cannot do what that man does. Give me a break. But I represent him and I get all the benefits of working for him because he's my new employer. If I do this, what does it say next? I will be able to face life successfully. Not by trying to be normal and twist the principles to my liking and practice them when they suit me and ignore them when they don't. No, sorry. And then it goes on to talk about how am I going to activate that decision? I got to activate that decision through four to nine. Okay. It's in the book. It says at once we launched out on this course of vigorous action at once. We launched like a space shuttle shooting up. Anyone tells you, take your time. You got to wait. You got to really internalize step three. You can just tell them what used to boil people in Toronto that I would say, could you tell me where it says that in the big book? Could you show me where it says that in the book? Because seriously, otherwise you're not being sponsored. You are being experimented on. Do you want that? You really want a crazy ex-crackhead experimenting with your life, with your kids' lives that are in CAS? You really want that? No, thank you. I want the tried and tested and true program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Hey, I've never met a junior therapist in this fellowship that had Dr. Carl Young and Dr. Silkworth sign their names to their bullshit. But those two doctors said, hey, you know what? Dr. Carl Young was up there way ahead of Dr. Phil or any of his like. They still study his methods, for God's sakes. And he said to Roland Hazard, who was one of the guys that sponsored Ebby, who sponsored our founder, says to him, my friend, either you lock yourself up or hire a bodyguard or you're doomed. You're doomed. Your only way out is a slim chance of having a conversion, direct experience with God experience. The therapist to end all therapists says this. So why are we still discussing it? See, th this book has the stamp of these kind of guys 
What I'm telling you does not. Anything that I am saying to you that you cannot find in this book, leave it. Leave it. But you got a problem with what I'm saying. You got a problem with this book. You got a problem with this book. You got a problem with this fellowship. This fellowship is about the 12 steps of Cocaine Anonymous as adapted from, accepted from Alcoholics Anonymous. That is our program. And as a result of that, amazing things started happening in my life, directly, in my heart, in the lives of other people. But basically, that was my option. Either I'm going to do this thing or I'm going to die. And the thing is that I see this, a lot of people that I, I, I used to work with, my question to them always in the beginning is I first qualify them because I've got to find out if they're a real addict and none of this silly crap about all the drama that I went through that makes me a drug addict. Because I'm going to tell you something, I've used for some hardcore people, man. They made me look like a featherweight. But when the day and time came that they had to stop, guess what they did? They stopped. Scary people. I mean, scary people. That made me look like a little princess. But when they made the decision to stop, they stopped. They may even need medical attention, as the book says on page 21. That's a hard user. You may need medical attention. You may need to go to detox. You may need treatment. You may infiltrate our program. You may sit in our rooms with us. You may share your garbage with us. But that don't make you a real addict. It doesn't. I lost the power of choice. I lost it. It will never be returned to me again. I don't worry about it any more than I worry about jumping off a balcony. The problem has been removed. Does that mean it can't come back? Of course it can come back. If I started being like some of the people that I met, it would come back. But it doesn't have to. And that's my choice. I'm either going to do this thing or I'm not. And some of these people that I used to work with, I qualify them. And we find out, do you really have this thing? Are you a real addict? What, what connects me? What unifies me in this fellowship with a guy that I used to work with a long time ago? He was an institutionalized penitentiary dude. He had been in prison longer than I had been alive. What connected him, me, and the princess that I sponsored just last year? What? We share a common problem. <coughs> We share a common problem. What is that problem? I have lost the power to stay sober. I am now using against my will. I now choose to stop and find myself doing it again. Powerlessness, people, that's what powerlessness look, looks like. Not, you know, I went on a run and, you know, and, and I wasn't going to meetings and therefore I guess I was powerless. No, 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 no. I am sinking and there's nothing left for me to grasp onto. That's powerlessness. That's what unites me with Bubba from prison and the little girl who's a little diva princess. That's what unites us. That's what we have in common. When we really want to leave it alone, we can't. And when we're using, my God, we can't control it. I can try to, but we can't control it. That's what unites us. And these are the people that when I qualify them, okay, we've passed the qualification, two simple questions. Are you willing to take this action? And I explain it to them. I don't hide it from them. You don't want to scare them off. Please, please. This bullshit I hear, but we'll have trust issues. Okay. You just got in a car last week with four dudes you never met before because you thought they might have some crack. You come to this fellowship and suddenly you have trust issues. I beg to differ. Come on. Come on. 
We have an honesty issue, perhaps. <laughs> Self-deceived is what I am. And then I qualify them and then I ask them, are you willing to go to any lengths? And they sometimes ask me, well, what does that look like? And I'll tell you what I always say. It looks like you not asking that question. And I'm not, I'm not talking about something stupid and crazy. you like, you know, you got to go to all the meetings I go to and you got to call me at 12 noon. What is that human power? I'm not going to make you accountable to me. You're accountable to God. I make it attractive to you that you want to come to my home group, and they do. You want to come to my meditation group, and they do. You want to sit and read with me, and they do. But I'm not going to boss you into it. If I need to boss you into it and make rules for you, you're not ready to be here. You want what we have, you're going to do it willingly. My friends, you're going to do it willingly. I qualify them. I qualify them for the program, and we do this work together. And I'm telling you, you have not lived until you have sat across a table with people who have lost their families. Their kids want nothing to do with them. The fellowship is sick of seeing them relapse. They're the butt of every joke in the fellowship. Their head is bowed. Their spirit is broken. And they show up with this book and we start reading and they're getting excited about life again. And the light starts coming on and they're calling me at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and 9 o'clock in the morning going, Layla, you wouldn't believe it. I was praying and then this song came on and it was like about God and, and I had this experience and I made this amends I was scared of making and I feel free. And this little crazy guy came up to me and asked me to sponsor him and he really smells bad, but I'm going to say yes. <laughs> You don't want to miss out on that miracle. It's a miracle to be here. It's a miracle that we get to sponsor. It's a miracle. And did I like it all the time when I was new? Of course not. I don't want to do this. I'm selfish, self-centered to the core. I am convinced that most people who really are true addicts that don't do this work, it's not because they can't, they don't want the responsibility that comes with step 12. So they try to linger in between 1 and 11. I got to a place where I am drowning. I'm not asking you anymore where that life preserver was made. I'm not asking you anymore who's hanging out in the boat. I'm not waiting for nothing else. I'm not arguing with you about religion. I'm not trying to convince you of my beliefs. Pull me out of this raging ocean. I'm ready. I will do anything you say. It is your responsibility to give me the real truth. Not some bullshit about here you go, keep going to meetings and just call the girls and then see you later. Your responsibility. Do you want my blood on your hands? I don't want your blood on my hands. I'm willing to tell you the truth even if you don't like it. And if you think that's too intense, my friends, you are in the wrong room. You are in the wrong room. This is about the power of God in your life and in my life. And we're supposed to stand in this united. We are growing in number and power. And we are going to turn the tide. And you're either going to roll with us in that boat or you're going to get flung aside. You are, because this is our fellowship of Cocaine Anonymous. We are here to talk about the big book of AA that is our basic text. We are here to sponsor people through this book. We are here to stand together united in our purpose. We are here to help each other. We are here to walk with each other, not because we're codependent, but because we love each other. And we might have different paths and different desires and different dreams, but in one thing, know this for sure. The greatest love, the greatest love, is the love a man would have for his friend to lay his life down for him. I lay my life down for you guys. This is my life. 
Do you know how much easier it would be if I was just a really cute, fun speaker and just have everybody like me and love me and not call me some of the things that I've heard? That is my life. I am willing to lay my life down for you. Why? Because that woman eight years ago laid her life down for me. I don't mean her life like she was willing to get crucified for me or take a bullet for me. Her life. Her life. She wasn't too busy for me. She wasn't too occupied. She wasn't too running the business. And I'm busy with school and I'm busy with this. And what would have happened to me? What would have happened to my son? See, you're so selfish, you don't want to see the ripple effect that you could have. Because it's so much easier to think that you're just a weak little powerless nothing. You are not. You are agents of God. You are. You are agents of God. And it is your responsibility to tell me the truth. That I can recover if I'm willing to do certain things. To hug me. To support me in my spiritual experience. Stop squashing them. Support us together. That's what we're here for. That woman did that for me. She saved my life. She saved my life, people. She put in me something that no one can ever take away. She gave me the truth. Now, what happens if, God forbid, she died? Sorry, Siobhan. She died or she moved away or something happened. What would I do? Is she my reliance? No. She ingrained in me. Ingrained in me. Layla, two things, don't forget them. God comes first. Everything follows. It says that in the third step, people. When we sincerely took such a position, all things remarkable, what followed, not came before. So you want the results. You want to get full on the cake without baking. Not going to happen. She told me, always put God first. It is about the power of God in your life, Layla. Go back to that. Go back to the first step. Go back to the decision you made. Not the decision I made in step three. The decision I made in step one. Which door am I going to go through? Accept spiritual help? Or continue on to the bitter end? Taking as many poor new bastards down with me. I made the decision to go through door number two. And door number two, guess where it led me? Step number two. And to the third step. And in that decision. And number two, that she drilled into my incredibly self-centered mind. Your life depends on carrying this message to every addict that God sends you to. Not any message. Sorry, not the message of Narcotics Anonymous. Not the message of Alcoholics Anonymous the way it is today. Guess what? I had to go to Cocaine Anonymous, for God's sakes, to hear the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. These CA little buggers were doing more work in the big book than their, their grandmama AA. She ingrained that in me. Your life depends. Can you imagine if I'd gotten caught up with my son? And why did I do that? Because I'm a guru and I'm so special and I'm so selfless. I'm breastfeeding and working with a newcomer. He wasn't a guy. It was one of my girls. <laughs> That's a little too far. <laughs> but seriously, why am I doing that? Because I don't want to die in a gutter. I don't want to die in a gutter. Those are the rules. You want to get saved? You got to bring people with you. You ain't going in the kingdom of heaven alone, brother. You're not going in alone. You're not rolling in the pews with Jesus alone. You are in the trenches with the drug addicts and the alcoholics who are dying for you to make a stand for them. So let's make a stand together so that we can trudge the road, walk with purpose, do a happy destiny together. All the power that I've been given, all the love that I've been given, I give to you. But you got to claim it and own it and do it through this book. 
She ingrained that in me. My responsibility, number one, is not a mother or a worker or a girl or a wife or a girlfriend. It is a recovered cocaine addict who is willing to go to any lengths to stay connected to God. And how I do that is through my message to you. And what message? Not my experience. Who cares? My experience can't keep you sober any more than your experience could keep you sober. My message, which is the message of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And if I do that, I'm golden. God is first. His kids are second. And I settle for bronze. And if I do, I am entrusted with the keys to the kingdom. I am entrusted with the keys of the kingdom. And I invite you all to stand with us. To stand with us. Because here's the thing about that. No matter how busy I get, and I'm not talking about how some of you are going to twist it around. Like all I do is sponsor people and all I do is go to workshops and all I do is speak in conferences. You have no idea how fully entrenched I am in my life. How fully present through the disciplines of steps 10, 11, and 12. How fully present I am to the glory of God in every single creation that I see. I am present. I have my own business. I love my son. I have lots of friends. But first and foremost, I am nothing without God. You got that? I am nothing without God. And that is true self-esteem. All things I do from God, through God. Every amends I ever made, every inventory I ever took, every meeting I went to, Every single newcomer I have ever worked, they show up at my door, and I'm eight years sober, and I have a lot of information about this book. And every single time before they walk through the door, I'm on my knees. God, set aside everything I think I know about you and this process and this program. And please put aside my ego and my pride and my arrogance to think that I know something that can come not from you. Everything I am and everything I know comes from you, God. And everything else, I forbid your presence from entering into my mind. And they come in and they become my brothers and my sisters and we walk together and we help each other out. But make no mistake about it, I have a very busy, entrenched life and I participate fully. But my number one purpose here on this earth is to play the role that God assigned me, the God who saved me. What is that purpose? To what? People are like, oh, you're a great public speaker. You should go do this for like uh, Mazda. Yeah, but God puts me here with you guys. Right? He puts me here with you. He saved me through Cocaine Anonymous. And my purpose is to be here to give you the keys to the kingdom. But you've got to follow suit. You've got to put God first, your brothers and your sisters second. And you've got to be willing to settle for bronze. The bronze entitles you. It entitles you to the keys of the kingdom. Here's the thing. Everything that you have done in your life, everything that you've done in your life to try to have some peace and try to feel important has failed. And you know what? Guess what, guys? It's not because you're not important. You are, but not for the reason that you think. It's not because you've got a big truck. I love it. Everyone in Edmonton has these big trucks. I love it. I want to move out here and get a big truck, a blue pickup. That's what I want. It's not because of that that makes you important. It's not because I go to a great gym that makes me important. It's not because I'm eloquent with my words that make me important. It's not because you got a lot of sober time under your belt that makes you important. It's not because you worked the steps 10 years ago that makes you important. It's not because you got a big business that makes you important. That means nothing to God. You are important. 
because he has entrusted you to save your brothers and sisters. And that's on you now. There's no two ways about it. It's on you. So I ask you to join me in the fellowship of the Spirit. God, whomever that may be to you, whomever he may reveal himself to you, God is asking me to tell you that it's time to come home together. So join me. I love you, and I will walk with you every step of the way, whether I'm in Toronto or Bangkok. I will walk with you every step of the way. I ask you to walk with me. I ask you to be with me, to do this with me. See, I get all my power and glory from God, so I'm willing to share it. Take it. I got a whole, like, load more coming. Take it. Well, can I have a big <laughs> so here's the thing about that. I love you guys. I don't even know you. I don't have to know you. I love you enough to make a stand for your life in the truth. If you want what we have and you are willing to go to any lengths to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps, the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous as outlined in this book. And you will never have to fall again. Not spiritually, not in your sobriety, and not before any man. Stop bowing to these idols of work and money and and false leaders. My favorite story, and I'm really not a religious person at all. I just happen to love Jesus. But one of my favorite stories, I think that history can teach us, the keepers of the law were the ones that crucified Jesus who lived the law. The keep, remember that, the elders and the keepers of the law were the ones that crucified Jesus, who lived the law. You don't have to believe in Jesus to believe the story or just use it as a cute allegory. But remember that. I'm not asking you to sacrifice yourself or crucify yourself, but you must be willing to crucify your fat ego. You must be willing to crucify other people's attention and approval for you so that you can have eternal freedom with us. I love you. That's it.